From KUNR Reno Public Radio, this is Priced Out. A podcast about affordable housing. I'm here with my lovely co-host, Joey Lovato. <laughs> lovely, huh? <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I'm here with my partner in podcast hosting crime, Bree Zender. And while podcast hosting may be a big job, we're looking at something maybe not so big this week. Some would even say tiny. Our business reporter, Noah Glick, checked out a rising trend in the housing market, tiny homes. <laughs> housing costs have been reaching record highs all across northern Nevada. And potential buyers as well as builders are looking for alternative options to the traditional home. Tiny homes have been gaining traction as one potential solution to this problem all across the nation. Well, let's follow Noah to check out some of these big projects. Tiny projects. Come on, Joey. If you drive along Interstate 80 through Battle Mountain, you'll see a for sale sign on a small structure outside of the high school. And on this day, I decided to check it out. My name is Russ Klein. I'm the principal at Battle Mountain High School. And this is our tiny house that was built as part of our construction trades program last year. So you've got the main living area here, uh, and then up above the, the loft, which is just enough that you could set a mattress up there and the the bathroom kitchen would be small areas and and it's just basically one room living uh, like a studio apartment except that it's yours. This bare bones 16 by 8 feet tiny house was built primarily by six Battle Mountain high schoolers to help teach skills in the construction and electrical trades and it's being sold at cost to help fund the program for $4,500. For those students who were able to participate in this, they're able to see a very real application of what affordable living could be. Those lessons rang true for senior Tanner Long, who now sees tiny houses as a viable option. They're not going to put you in debt at all. They're not expensive to build, but if you learned like how we did to build it yourself, you could build yourself a house. The idea of tiny homes is gaining momentum nationwide with television shows and websites dedicated to the lifestyle. But there's still a lot to be worked out from a practical side. You can live in a tiny home, but not for very long. You know, when you can only bring them one fork and one plate and, and, you know, maybe a pair of shoes and that's it. And you're crawling on your hands and knees to go to bed. That's Pamela Haberman. She's one half of the small housing developer Haberay Homes, which built the Tiny 10 Project, a half-acre housing development in Reno with 10 homes ranging from 650 to 700 square feet. We've called this the Tiny 10, but we really feel that it's more of a small home, not a tiny home. We classify them as like a glove home. It fits like a glove. It's not too small. It's not too little. And we feel that this scale of a home is more livable in the long term. Haberman's business partner, Kelly Ray, says these types of projects are important to address the housing issue, but the costs of land and fees in Reno are currently too high to support small-scale housing projects. I don't think anything can be done quote, affordably in Reno right now, unquote. I just don't because of the pricing of dirt, because of the pricing of existing buildings. Ray says those costs ultimately get passed down to consumers. The Tiny 10 did net an $80,000 profit after all 10 homes were sold, but those came at a price tag in the low to mid $200,000 per unit, which drew criticism from residents and local leaders alike. Just because the price on that home is below 600000 doesn't mean it's affordable housing. That's Reno City Councilman Paul McKenzie. He says the city is also working on alternative housing options, including modular units that could be manufactured off-site and transported, as well as something called accessory dwelling units. 
granny housing, they call it sometimes, that gives a person the ability that has a big lot to put a smaller home in the backyard there and, and rent that out. So he's got, number one, he's got rental income, and the other part is that we create more housing. He admits that most residents probably wouldn't sign on to the idea, though. I think that one of the big concerns that a lot of people would have with that idea is that I've got to put up with somebody building a house in my backyard. Aaron West is the CEO of the Nevada Builders Alliance. He says the current system of regulations isn't built for some of these newer options. We have very strict codes and standards to conform to, and and it's based on safety, right? I mean, in the U.S., we take safety very seriously. The last thing we need is to 3D print a beautiful house and we have a minor earthquake and, you know, the thing falls on itself. That doesn't mean we should ignore potential innovation. We need to explore these. We need to vet them and then get everybody to the table to say, okay, now, what's the appropriate way to do it? How can we work within the system that we have to get these types of things permitted and moving forward? I think there's some tremendous opportunity. West says housing will continue to be a challenge, which means communities must keep thinking outside the box. Noah Glick, Reno Public Radio News. All right, cool. So I am here with uh, our reporter, Noah Glick. Hey, Joey. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Good. So I want to know, what are these tiny homes like on the inside? You know, we kind of got an idea of how big it was, but like, Describe to me, could you put your arms out and touch both walls? Like, how small were these? Uh, it was pretty close, actually, on on the tiny house at Battle Mountain. Um, and we'll hear a story about a different type of tiny house, which is a little different. But, you know, tiny homes, they sort of come in all shapes and sizes. And this particular one was a, was a pretty small one. It was an 18 by 6 feet uh, tiny house. So it was very tiny, uh, as the name says. So this one was very much you walk in. And there's a loft pretty much right right above, and it could probably fit just a queen mattress, queen-size mattress up there. There's no ladder or anything, so you'd have to provide that yourself. But everything else, you know, you could probably fit like a stand-up shower um, and a small toilet or maybe even a, a it's called a wet bath where you have a toilet inside the shower. That okay. was another idea. So the bathroom's very small. The kitchen area would be pretty small. So it was, it was pretty sparse when you were there. Yeah, well, so this particular tiny house was bare. I mean, it would just had the floors, the insulation, and the electrical all set okay. up. So whoever um, decides to buy the tiny house would need to install plumbing, have to get their own appliances, that sort of thing. But um, it's, it's pretty much ready to go. Other than that, it's. I think the idea there was, you know, this was a project for the kids to learn how to build these sort of structures. And then the idea being whoever buys it can really design it and make it their own. Now, I kind of just imagine that the inside of a tiny house is very similar to the inside of like an RV. Um, did you have that feeling when you were inside of one? Um, you know, that's a really interesting idea. There are a lot of tiny houses that are like that, and I've seen those, but this one didn't feel that way as much. It really felt... You know, it, it felt very bare bones and very much like a shed, like you're walking into that. Um, so that one didn't feel as much like an RV. I actually feel like this one almost felt smaller than an RV. But the wow. idea being with this one is that you could put it onto a trailer hitch and take it wherever you wanted to go. Now, why do you think someone would want a tiny house instead of an RV then? I think the idea, I mean, well, with tiny homes, you can have them permanent if you'd like. You can set them in foundation and and have that sort of lifestyle. I think a lot of people are attracted to tiny houses in general because it frees them up from a pricey mortgage or costly rent or something like that. 
Now, the question is, do I have a tiny house over an RV? I think that just comes down to lifestyle. I mean, it depends what you're looking for. So you talked with Pamela Haberman, who is one of the developers of the Tiny 10 here in Reno. What are some of the challenges that they kind of faced building these these houses? I mean, you talked about a couple of them, but it seems like permits and zoning is, is, a, is a pretty big issue. Well, yeah. And if you talk to them, they will tell you that fees were very difficult. First of all, you know, even if it's a smaller structure, it still has a lot of the same fees associated with any size of structure. One of the things that uh, one of the developers, Kelly Ray, mentioned was sewer hookup fees. So she was making the comparison that, you know, for every unit, she was paying $6,500 for a sewer hookup fee. And that's for one bathroom, one toilet. And if she were to build a 20 bathroom, 20,000 square foot house, you know, on the out on the edges of Reno, that sewer hookup fee with 20 bathrooms would be $6,500. So that was one thing she was talking about that, you know, the smaller the house becomes, the higher the cost per square foot to actually build them. Is the is the city or the state doing anything to help to help mitigate these fees? Well, and that's an interesting question, you know, without opening up the entire box. If you look at the property tax structure here, it's very challenging for the city to be able to raise funds for any other sort of affordable housing projects, for example. So currently there is a 3% cap on property tax, meaning property tax can only increase a maximum of 3% every year. That makes it difficult when you have housing costs that are rising by say 10% in a year and that property tax isn't keeping up. So that actually makes it so that it's difficult for the city to raise the revenue uh, based on what the market is saying. In addition, there's something called a depreciating property tax system that we have here. So for example, if there's a house that was built in 1985 and it sells for $300,000, that actually has a lower property tax on it than if a house was built in 2012 and sold for $300,000. So even though the market rate is the same, the property tax on the older house is actually going to be lower than the property tax on the newer house. So in terms of trying to address some of those fees and regulations and, and some of the costs to developers, I mean, I think the city's in a really tough spot. Okay, so now we're going to go into a piece looking at a different type of tiny home, a shipping container. So there's different kinds of tiny homes. Can you kind of explain the difference between the one that you saw in Battle Mountain and then this one that's in a shipping container? Yeah, absolutely. Um, The Battle Mountain tiny home was a traditional stick-built home, meaning it's wood. It was built using traditional materials and that sort of thing, whereas the shipping container is quite literally how it sounds. It's taking an old used shipping container that's all steel, and it's converting that into a home. And it's it's basically the same idea of a normal house, but just with steel. And we're using a shipping container, which has already had energy put into it to be built. So it's kind of just recycling this structure that's already in place and just kind of reconverting it, reconfiguring it. Great. Well, let's head down to the welding department at Western Nevada College and check it out. Thanks, Noah. Thank you. My name is Masih Madani, and I am a developer now for uh, Alternative Housing Solutions. Okay, so I'm going to give you a, a little quick tour of the uh, containers that we've been working on for the last couple months. So this one is a two-container, two-bedroom, one-bath, 640-square-foot home. and. Uh, It's not as tiny as it may sound, but it's made up of two shipping containers. 
up until uh, uh, summer of last year, I actually didn't know how to weld myself because I had no skills that forced me into thinking in a particular way in the construction industry. I was free to clear to think any way that made sense. So what we do is we do everything within each container uh, complete, including all the walls, all the cabinetry, all the plumbing, electrical, all the drywall, everything gets done. And then we ship them individually to the actual site and then we'll assemble them together on the site. Yes, we can actually ship them. That's the whole point. That's the whole point, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You're looking at basically, you know, three people one month. So it's three man months, and you get a uh, you know unit completely end to end finished. These are all engineered structures. I mean, we build steel buildings all day long, every day in the commercial sector. We just don't necessarily do it in the in the residential sector. A custom house starts somewhere around 150, 160 dollars a square foot on up. Track housing is about 100 dollars a square foot on up. Um, manufactured housing is somewhere around you know $75, $80 a square foot. We came into this with the idea that we're going to beat $50 a square foot. What we're doing is, I don't like to call it low-cost housing because people will think about it and, oh, this is inferior. It's actually quite the opposite. This is much, much better than a stick building any way you can get it. It'll withstand all the, you know, what Mother Nature can throw at it, you know, including, you know, mold and mildew and termites and, and you know, all of those type of things. And, and it's energy efficient and, you know, we're recycling. You want, is there somewhere yeah, you can go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if you go back, you know, 100, uh, 100 120 years, everybody built their own homes. You built it yourself. You had enough skill sets. And so we're trying to kind of get to back to that point where we're enabling people to put in a little bit of sweat equity and, and be able to do some of these things themselves. And that would go a long way to alleviating the, the housing issues. We're not all created equal. We all don't have the same opportunities as we, as we, as we grow up in life. And so sometimes we have to kind of you know level out the playing field a little bit and give the people the opportunity and so to me home equals hope so if you give somebody a home then they have hope and hope is what allows you to move forward and build on your life the home has been placed on a piece of land with concrete foundation and will be completely finished within the next couple of weeks madani says he's also working on a pilot program with the reno housing authority Thank you for listening to this episode of Priced Out. If you'd like to learn more about this new podcast series and see pictures and videos, you can visit KUNR.org. The music in today's episode was by Dan Lebowitz and Freedom Trail Studio. Our original theme song is by the band People With Bodies, who you can hear playing around Reno sometimes. The fabulous Michelle Billman is our editor, and the intrepid Michelle Matus is our digital producer. Today's stories were reported by Noah Glick. I'm Joey Lovato. And I'm Bree Zender. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.